0: Welcome to the Dynasty Think Tank. I'm Chad Parsons. He is Jordan McNamara, and we share our research, experience, and acumen to build Dynasty winners and unlock ceiling outcomes. Now is the time to seek elite results. Jordan took some quotes uh, from dynasty twitter that's always dangerous um i wanted to ask your opinion on something because without mentioning specifics maybe you want to mention specifics and hopefully this doesn't take up all three big three thoughts it's just a big one but uh what do you think about sharing message board or league chat dialogue on social media the uh uh, the the flaming the flaming uh action from you take something that's quasi private or one-on-one or 12 people uh in a chat and then you take that, remove it, and uh, put it somewhere else. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, so I we always had a rule growing up, right? My parents always told me, "Don't do anything that you wouldn't want to read on the front page of the New York Times," and that's always a good way to the
0: to... New York Times. <laughs> it's always, always a good way to live.
1: So I think you always have to be careful about what you're saying to a bunch of strangers who are competing against you, right? So that's always one thing to say. Um, I even found one-on-one
0: the... DMs, one-on-one DMs. Still be careful. Still be uh you know, on your P's and Q's. And I think both of us, I, I would just venture a guess, Jordan, you do a really good job of that. I have gotten a lot better, uh, years and years ago. I probably said some things that if, if, uh, group chats were more common, it wouldn't be, uh, as, as nicely received, but yes, man, uh, you gotta be super careful. And this is not just talking as a dynasty analyst, anybody that plays in a bunch of dynasty leagues, you got a bunch of connections you don't even know about, and you don't want this to be you.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I do think that the, um, I thought the discourse around that, what was actually in the message was interesting about right. someone the hoarding quarterbacks. Content of it. Right. Yeah. The, the, I was, my reaction to that was like, you just got played, right. It was, a, you know, and then, and then he got, it sounds out, like you got sniped out. three
0: times and you didn't like that the other drafted drafted five quarterbacks or something in eight rounds or whatever actually happened. But the point is you just thought you're like, well, you're not playing fair. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, right. That's kind right. of how I took it. Right.
1: Yeah. And and honestly, your last week, your your lesson was, you know, you kind of have to roll through the tough times. It appeared that that person did not do that right in, in their draft. Um and, and felt, you know, victimized, I guess, by it. Um, I will say if my trade negotiations with someone end up in a league chat, you're persona non grata. You might as well you might as well have died. Um, I will not deal with you. Uh so that's one thing that to me I thought that thing was more funny. Um, I always think it's funny when people, uh, you know, blank out the person that they made the trade with, um, but don't reveal my private trade negotiations to the league. You you might as well have died uh, to me uh, if you do that.
0: Yeah. I think, I think when you share offers, like, look at this wackadoodle, look at what right. he offered me and, you know, I offered this and this is what he sent back and you start airing that. I think that's different than creating a poll. Like if you want to create a poll and it's like, which side do you prefer? And if it ends up 90, 10 or whatever, I think that's completely different than literally screenshotting, whether you exit out or not. And you start saying, you know, look at this crappy offer. Or what I find uh, pretty below below bar is when you start doing that in the league chat, you know, when, when like, let's say someone says, uh, you know, I'm selling a certain player and you say offer sent, you know, or let's just, this is a random dialogue. Someone says offer sent, and then someone chimes in with, wow, that's gonna be a crappy offer, you know, or like, like boy, that's not gonna result in a deal or just whatever, like, and it creates, I mean, this is almost like being college roommates, like dorm, you know, you got a bunch of adjoining rooms and it's like, you guys are in this together, you know, for mm. four years or just whatever time period you, you see fit, but you're together, whether you know each other or whatever, you've really got a, I mean, that could be a potential trading partner you need in the yeah. future. And if you don't view it that way as like, these are people that I'm trying to beat your, beat your butt, but man, like you don't know what trade for what position and what player that they have at a certain moment that you're going to want. And the burning of bridges is a real dangerous thing because if you, I'll say this, if you don't trade in dynasty, it's a real tough way to go. That's the lifeblood of consolidation moves. Cause how do you consolidate if you don't make trades? You can't. Mm -hmm. If you just draft and waiver wire, you're technically not consolidating. Everything is a one-to-one. So you need somebody to be in a rebuild or fire sale at some point. And if they're like, that guy's a jack wagon and and that is not a trade partner for you, you're going to miss out. And guess what? One of the other 10 are going to benefit. So be really careful. Like I am super careful now to not be I'm a level like two snarky at most out of 10 on on replies on message. I I really just say, you know, I value player more by himself alone, you know, than that package, or I would need a a much better top piece. Like I have generic cut and paste replies now, but I think it's important to add a comment and show you're engaged or extend a counter offer. I think it's all those things are important, but man, there's a lot of diplomacy, Jordan, that I did not know 10 years ago in dynasty now that I'm getting a little older and it's more of a business. (laughs) But, but yeah, I mean, anyway, anyway, if anyone wants to find it, it is it is about co- uh, quarterback hoarding, and I'm sure you won't have any trouble on Twitter finding that somewhere. Uh, here's a quote also from Twitter I found. Uh, quote, any backup running back is underrated.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's right. Isn't the, the thing that we found type. is, right? It's an AWARP argument, right? You sort of go back to some of the foundational stuff about why we believe backup running backs are underrated, and right? it's because they're... Uh, when, when they do start, right. They start, you get those opportunities, you they're clarified starts and you can really get them in your lineup, right. It's wins over, you know, we talk about wins over replacement. We talk about adjusted wins over replacement, which is really factoring in the start rate of players, which is a big time difference, right. Because you're able to get the peak weeks for running backs in, right. You talk about the Latavius Murray two week stretch a couple of years ago, right. He was in your lineup when that happened, right. Where you get guys like, you know, Kiki Kuti is always the great example for me. I might've been more quote valuable in dynasty, but all of his peak weeks were not in your lineup, right? He was like, he had three or four peak weeks. I think it was his rookie season and he was started 10% of the time. And then after the peak week, it jumped up to being 70% start rate. And then he had three straight weeks of poor performance and it dwindled each week back down to 10%. And then at 10%, he had a 20 point game. And it was, it's, it's, it's um, It's a yo-yo. It's amazing. It's
0: hilarious to see start rate where it's like, okay, they missed on the 20 point game. Boom. He jumps up to actually people putting him in some lineups. He puts up four. Okay. Back down. Okay. Well, that didn't work out, but then you look at the end of the year. I love the MFL feature where it says starter points. I think Uh it's, so you actually see the number of times you put a player in your lineup, you see what they actually scored. And some of these players were like, Oh, you know, that's a good player. Well, you started him four times. His average points per game six. Well, so good player. He might average 10 points on the year, but the times you needed him or started him, or you're like whack-a-mole, this is the time didn't produce. And so that's where what's his actual value to you? Like, I almost think it's like an adjusted, we call it, you know, it's adjusted wins over replacement, but I almost wonder if it's like you had your adjusted rankings. Like you go across Mm -hmm. your aggregate, all your leagues, and you actually have the points per game when they were in your lineup. And I think it'd be fascinating to stack up, you know, any position and say, wow, you know, this guy was actually wide receiver 60 on my board, but yet he finished at wide receiver 30 in aggregate, which just means tough to predict when to start them when I actually had to have them didn't work out. And I actually was thinking while you were talking, you know, just knowing nothing else, I mean, would you rather have wide receiver eighty or running back eighty? Just you know, if you had to hold them the whole year, you'd rather have running back eighty, running back eighty, because because yeah. you're not going to get first round pedigree for wide receiver eighty. You're going to get a guy that's at least probably in the top three of their depth chart at running back, and he's got a chance, right. chance for a clarified start. Good luck at a clarified start out of wide receiver eighty ever.
1: Right. Yeah, Any I mean that's where Damian Williams. That's where I mean guys have come yeah. from there and, and been consequential players in dynasty a running
0: back too. also, I mean, right. I don't know where Malik Davis is right now, but you have these cross sections of time where it's like, I got a backup running back. I got a number two guy. Right. So yeah. Who's to say?
1: And that, that can even be running back 80, like December 15th. You know and I mean, yes. like I mean, that was, <laughs> you go back to that Damian Williams. I mean, he was legitimately in early December of that year was an afterthought. And then he cashed checks, a right? big check. One
0: that week that's that Spencer Ware needed to be healthy. He, narrator. Was not. he was not. <laughs> Sharply, it shifted to Damian Williams. And that was parlayed into future. Uh, it wasn't just a one or two week thing. I, he yes, had legs, dynasty legs. All right, last one here. We got Brandon Ayuk would be a top 12 wide receiver if he wasn't in San Francisco.
1: Yeah, I, I think I disagree with that. Um, And this is like a, a classic. uh To me, it's kind of like a classic a place where I don't really debate a ton, right. Instead of trying to figure out, you know, would he be top, you know, would he be 10 or 16 or whatever? I kind of let the market make those decisions for me. And that's a flat enough range where I don't really pick a ton of favorites. Uh, So I will say like, there is some narrative out there and there's some sort of advanced data that would suggest that he's really underrated. Uh, Just statistically, I, I don't think that that's uh that true like he's got a 91st percentile career pff grade for example uh yards per route run he's an 86th percentile guy 78th percentile in terms of targets per route run so he's a good player um you'd look at as well points per route run uh ppr points per route run he's an 82nd percentile guy so again good player uh i don't think he's a top 12 guy right i wouldn't take him in the top 12 right i would there's a lot of similar profiles to him i would just kind of wait on uh, so that might be cheating the answer a little bit, but it might be cheating the the question a little bit, but uh, that's kind of how I view the position generally. Well,
0: there's a lot of variables. I would say this, he's underrated. He's going in the wide receiver 30s a lot in these startups I've seen. And I, I think in one of the two drafts I've done in the past month, I've drafted him. So obviously I like him plenty. I have him uh, over that wide receiver 30 to 35. If we use that as a vantage point. Um, I will say the 1.75 yards per outrun is not, you know, an elite number. It's a good number. Um, you know, it's a, uh, you know, Terry McLaurin minus sort of number. It's very good. It's good. It's posting. It's not a guy that's going to lose his job anytime soon. I would say this, yes, competition for targets, but you have Kittle and you have Debo Samuel guys that have been prone to missing time. So I would, I would hearken, I would, I would, I interested to see what a figure would be of what percent of, of recent games have been with all three guys healthy versus at least one guy out you know, and I bet there's a decent sample size. So I think you throw that out a little bit and guess what? Both of those other guys are good too. The other thing I would say is, oh, 49ers suck at quarterback. Okay. Well they have, uh, you know, a puppet master that's pretty good at getting quarterback play. So when you say that they have bad quarterbacks, let's not assume that Brandon Ayuk is going over to an elite quarterback. There's a lot of Similar to San Francisco, if not worse than San Francisco, aggregate passing game. You know, how do you feel about the pulse there? So that's the other thing. And Debo is not really used like a number one. So in, in practice, in pure wide receiver land, he kind of is the wide receiver one. So there's a lot of positives there. And I would hate to be smirch, you know, with just saying like San Francisco is bad. you could be better elsewhere. Like, I just don't like the vibe of that quote, really, because he could go to a lot of situations and be the clear number two behind an absolute alpha. And I think Ayuk kind of lives in this zone of alpha adjacent, <laughs> you know, like he's, he's really good, but like is McLaurin an alpha, like we could pick out these guys, you know, is DJ Moore an alpha? Like, I think these are awesome. Number twos. They can moonlight as number ones. They can be weak. Number ones, but I don't think they are a guy that just tilts offenses and passing games. So I in that zone. I think he's really good. He has upside beyond what we've seen, but I, I think to, to say San Francisco is a bad spot for him. I think you got to be careful with that.
1: Yeah, and and like Jimmy Garoppolo is the career leader, like the active leader in yards per attempt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. on his career. Look at the start right? Purdy
0: had, right? Barely right. drafted. Look at what Purdy did in the games he played, and you know what? You should be rooting for Purdy right now. If you're yeah. an IUK owner, root for Purdy. Purdy for week one, almost like for Mayor, because that start he was on, rarefied air, and you could say it's all contrived by situation, and he's the perfect player for situation fit. Who cares? Yeah, right. <laughs> Who cares? I loved your I loved your tweet, by the way, of of predicting what was it? Uh, something about Kirk Cousins twenty twenty four and the Forty Nine ers. He's
1: more likely than Trey Lance. By the way, I put Trey Lance as as, as like a zero percent probability,
0: right? Like uh, being what twenty twenty four starter for San Francisco. For like I think I yeah, think for he's he's, yeah.
1: he's persona grata there, basically. Yeah. Um, I did look up while you were talking, uh, in games that Debo Samuel did not play in his yeah. career. Uh, Brandon Ayuk has averaged 15.2 points per game on 7.8 which is, targets, which right?
0: is what basically like a high wide receiver two. That yep. sounds like right. Yep. yep.
1: And uh, in games that Br- and Debo Samuel has played, he averaged 12.1, so it's a 3.1. Like a wide a, 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 almost three exactly type. a three point difference. Yeah. Uh,
0: on basically six targets a game, right? All right. So there is a difference. Exactly as you would expect. All right, we got a. a uh, did I get enough trade this week? Josh Allen. And this is an interesting one because he's only going down to Justin Herbert. So we're staying up in a tier that we like. Allen for Herbert, Antonio Gibson, 24 third and a 25 first. So
1: Justin Herbert is fascinating to me uh, because for a couple of reasons, I think Justin Herbert can win. His side of this can win. Um, What gives me a little bit of pause is he basically completely stopped running last year.
0: Um, he scored less than a point a game on the ground. It's like the Seinfeld episode. I choose not to run. Doesn't, isn't he a guy that like could run for 500-plus yards every year? He just doesn't want it. He just doesn't. So, he's like, my arm is so freaking good. I am going to extend plays to throw and not to run for 10-plus. I find that disinteresting. That's almost the attitude he has. I get it. He's going to last a heck of a long time in the NFL doing that.
1: Yeah. The, but I wonder, is that going forward how he's going to be? Yeah. Or is that... Uh, he was hurt last year right I, I think you can i think there's right the justin herbert has quarterback one overall in his range of outcomes for 2023 like he absolutely is another show is on
0: the like list. like he he would be he's a really interesting bet to like lead the league in passing yards
1: he's got second he's got the second best line yeah Right, I mean his his like his his bet his futures odds are only behind Mahomes, yeah. right? And and you look at him last year, right? I, I use PFF's expected uh, scoring. Uh, you look at him, right? He was sort of like in the top eight or so of the position. He essentially scored like a uh, you know a seventy five percent of the touchdowns that he should have. I think he was expected for thirty three and scored twenty five. Right, so it's a pretty big drop, and he didn't run so. And he played a lot of that time with Austin Eckler as his best receiver, right? So all of it, and he threw for more than 4,500 yards,
0: right? So imagine him with Allen Williams and Quentin Johnston, yes. all healthy. Yes. Healthy. Ever getting ignored by coverage. Right. <laughs> imagine, a- imagine all of this.
1: And Andy gets a little bit of, I'll use your phrase, a little bit of touchdown puck luck, right? Yeah. Instead of going from being basically eight touchdowns under expectation and going maybe four or five over I'm not I don't even need eight over I need four or five over and all of a sudden you've got a you've got a A 5,000 yard passer who's throwing for you know 38 touchdowns and you know maybe he's kicking in a couple of points a game in the running game like that is the recipe to be the quarterback one overall um that said right (laughs) now so we're sort of I see that case um, however, I, I have concerns that is he actually going to become a little bit like, um, you know, kind of the way that people perceive Dak Prescott, right. Where really high floor player, right. There's only been two guys that have started their career as first round guys in the last you know 15 years that have been, uh, have been hits the first three years. Uh, it's been Allen and it's been Watson, right. I think there's a, like, that's a really, really high floor, assuming he stays out of massage parlors. Uh, if, he's got the high floor. He might not have that ceiling. Right. I think that's a, that's a legitimate question. And we know Alan has that. So, well,
0: yeah. And, and what yeah. are you really getting? You're getting a first two years from now, which again, a first is the first and you mm-hmm. can use that, but does that make it work? It's an one? Alan because, first, by
1: the way. It's an yeah. Alan and
0: first. so Alan, you've got, you, you have no, you're paying for the question, right? Like you're getting the benefit for the question. And what you're saying is you could win this. Like this is one that's built that you could win. Frankly, Gibson the third, these don't these don't matter. These don't count. So it's really Herbert and a future first out there that probably is going to be back half. And so I personally like. I mean, I use this as a you would love to get both these guys in a startup. So I, I'm thinking about it in a startup draft. Well, but, but moving up to 101 or 102, and you're paying a, a first two years out. I think typically you do that mm-hmm. when you can get all the way up and you get your choice. Uh, you know, you get those two guys you do that type of trade and then you worry about trading up, up to one Oh five or getting Dak later, or, you know, doing QB two a different way, as opposed to Herbert's your QB one. I think you figure out the after effects later. So this, you get Allen, you you're down a first, but you know what? You might still have your 24 first who's you that you might be already having a stud quarterback. You're like, well, I got Herbert and Mahomes. Well, now I got Herbert and Allen, <laughs> you know? Right, right. So, so I just think this is the stepping stone that you do in a league to where the strong gets stronger. And you really didn't give up much. Because again, you painted a really good picture for Herbert and the whys on how this could work. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. The point is, something different has to happen. Right now, it's Alan today, Alan tomorrow, Alan forever. And he's like, come get me. He Mm -hmm. runs. We actually want him to run less, right? (laughs) (laughs) Just a little less, a little less like Cam Newton. That'd be awesome. So we don't need to hurtle guys.
1: Don't need to hurdle guys. So
0: Herbert's DNA is not that. And so for him to, you have to be so diabolically good as a passer. Herbert is, but things could be changing. Two years from now, Mike Williams, not there. Keenan Allen, not there. Is Quentin Johnson a thing? Next like, year,
1: that could be the case. Right, exactly.
0: Right. And Eckler is going to be at that age 30 or whatever. So just, right. are they going to draft well, you know, and continue? Like, Allen drags people. <laughs> <laughs> Herbert can drag people too, but his situation could be changing. So you just got to be careful. You know, just right now as it sets up, both of them could be having changes over the next twelve to twenty four months and what's around them so you just yes. gotta be careful all right. let's do one more and this is the stock league. we got Mark Andrews for a couple firsts. Mark Andrews, Samir White sorry Mark Andrews for Samir white, one eleven and a twenty four first
1: uh so this comes back and kind of looks at right you you can apply some rules so you have a future first, right. You really in super flex, I say, you really shouldn't trade a future first, unless you're getting, you know, really a top 30 guy. Yeah. You That's know, a little bit fuzzier on that. Right. So, you know, but you really should be shooting to spend those first on top 30 guys. Um, Andrews certainly qualifies. I it's, it's less than non super flex, right. It's probably 20 or so, but Andrews is in that tier. Um, I will say, right Zamir White isn't really relevant to this conversation. Uh, one eleven is what, like this year's Samir White type profile, right? and 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 this and you're paying a future first on a team that frankly, you expect to contend right You've got Andrews um and and that like I'm fine uh paying that for Andrews. Some are Mark Andrews, yeah. by the way. I'm going to do an office hours on Mark Andrews, by the way. So just, there just kind at it.
0: Strap in. It might be a half hour. <laughs> the, yeah. I think, I think the way on face value, you can have little statements where you go, no tight ends were two first, you know, and you make all these like declarations. And I think the more you, the more we go, Jordan, we would say it depends, you know, we get to, cause if you're a strong team and you can easily in this situation, you're like, I'm stocked up everywhere. What I don't have is the difference maker at tight end. and. You might have tried one eleven and something lighter than a first to try to get Kelsey, maybe. I mean, you might have tried other things, but the point is there's only one or two marketplaces with teams that have those top tight ends. And if you don't have one, again, you're given one eleven. You're probably filling one of your only weaknesses here with a, a guy that can lap the position. And you're you're paying a first. It's probably late. It's one quarterback you're not guaranteed anything late in the first in a one quarterback that can go completely sideways. I found myself trade myself trading those picks away. So often you can factor that in, you can factor that into a a veteran wide receiver or whatever, but you still didn't get the tight end under that prism. So I think you're filling a a need, uh, probably a vacancy that you have few of it's in a format where those late firsts, I'm not going to say they're monopoly dollars, but you throw them around a lot more than in superflex, and you're making an exception. I mean, Try to trade 111 and a future first for a small collection of wide receivers. You might make this impact for the position argument. You're not getting these deals done, not even close. You can't trade two firsts and Zamir White or even three Zamir Whites for Justin Jefferson. You can't, you know, make a deal like this. You just can't. So you're improving your lineup. You're using the fun money you have to actually improve your team in the one way you probably have. You're like, you know, I got a top six, top five, top six quarterback. I'm not going to pay a first to upgrade within that, you know, and you say I'm good enough at quarter. I'm good enough at the other positions. I don't have the tight end and it's just a small market. So to me, it, it, it's very reasonable. This isn't one Oh four and a 24 first, this isn't, you know, you're not going into a zone where you're like, you could lose this on. I don't think 111 is going to beat Andrews. And now you're already advancing the next year. So, right. Right. It sounds like a lot, but it really isn't because you're probably projecting both picks. At least one of them you already know is late. So, yeah. By I'm the way,
1: Brock pick. Bowers has dominated college football the last two years as a tight end at the University of Georgia. And Todd Munkin was his offensive coordinator, who, by the way, now calling plays for Mark Andrews in Baltimore. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Lord help the whole, the whole dynasty landscape. If uh, they're, their neutral passing expectation. Right. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> I can't, I just like, it's worth, I'll just point out as well. Like since 2011, the only tight end to finish his tight end one with a negative passing expectation for his team is Mark Andrews. And those guys on average, it's like 6% over expectation is the average tight end one team.
0: Right. I heard some I stat mean, about how seldomly you get guys like Mark Andrews pass, blo- you know, just blocking. I mean, yeah, he, He's running around he last, last
1: year than he, he has blocked the same amount of times in pass. Uh, he is, he is has the same amount of pass blocks in his career, according to PFF as Ben Skoranek, who's a receiver for the Rams had last year. Yeah. Right. And I mean, it's just crazy. Right? I mean, and it's all you have to do is awesome. watch
0: Oklahoma games to see that that's exactly how market Andrews was used in college. And the Baltimore Ravens took him as they typically do and go, what can this guy do? We're gonna do that, yeah. and they got him in the third round, which is crazy sauce. And you just look at guess what? They they also took Lamar Jackson on spec in the late first round. Be like, what does this guy do? I don't know. Make plays. Let's start doing that. Let's start making plays that Joe Flacco can't even dream of making. They took and them both they... over Hayden after Hayden Hurst, right? Right. Yeah. I, I saw a do... great
1: quote to Oh, George, let's ignore that
0: one. That really takes the water bed water <laughs> out of the water bed from from my, <laughs> my argument here. Yeah,
1: Um. It, I, I saw a quote today saying, you know, Mark Andrews has the most uh, competition for targets in his entire career. I was like, oh, wait a second. OK, this, that's like saying, you know, I, th- listen, th- everything revolves around the sun. Right. It doesn't matter what the you know, to the sun. It doesn't matter what the what the weather on Earth is on any given day. Right. Because it's the sun. Right. And that and Mark Andrews is the sun of, the, of this offense. Right. Everything revolves around it.
0: Doesn't it feel like Baltimore, the one thing I will say is, is Baltimore took JK Dobbins, who has some good receiving stuff. And they're like, nah, that's not for us. So I I do wonder, they should be the team that takes like Dwayne McBride, you know, in the seventh (laughs) round. Like that's more their speed (laughs) is, is find the Gus Edwards, find the Dwayne McBride, like keep going down that rabbit hole because now you're optimizing the position. So yeah. Hayden. Hur- I do wonder what would happen. Hayden Hurst, completely healthy, never an injury. How long, how many hours do you think he holds off Mark Andrews? 18 how many maybe? more hours, 18 more <laughs> hours, maybe another whole day. <laughs> he's a top that dub chart week one. He's like, he would have made it to week one. Mark Andrews would have gone three for 35 in the secondary tight end role be like, that's it. <laughs> Some guy on the sideline just throws the paper. <laughs> it's one of those moments. Mark Andrews, you're our guy. Yeah. Yeah. Pedigree doesn't even matter. It's like the, uh, yeah. It, that that move was basically like uh, the Colts were looking over because they did the Kobe Fleener, Kobe <laughs> Fleener, Dwayne mm-hmm. Allen thing, and they're like, that was supposed to be us. Great. Right, and Andrew Luck's like son of a. <laughs> that right. was supposed to be Mark Andrews was supposed to be our outcome there for taking double dip and two tight ends.
1: Well, it's like Tyreek Hill. Kill was the same way. Hey, Tyreek Hill was actually drafted after Demarcus Robinson was in that draft. No one remembers yeah. that, but he was actually the second wide receiver that they drafted that year. This so. is like the
0: Kirk Cousins thing. You take, you double the position, and you double your chances of getting something right. Yeah, the blind mosquito finding something. Yeah, just it's a to green bay something.
1: play. Baltimore does it, and Baltimore did it. You know, with with tight ends yeah. since then as well. So it's interesting.
0: What uh, from a one to ten scale? How open are you to them cultivating and being the we waited, we fostered. Jordan Love, and we're actually going to get a really good outcome and continue this string of not really searching for quarterbacks because they're proactive. I'm really rooting for it, but what's your one to ten spidey senses of Jordan Love being solid plus?
1: Uh, I think LaFleur is like the real deal as a coach, Uh, and I don't think this offense struggles as much losing Rodgers. It's worth noting that Rodgers leaves them on kind of a down note, right? This wasn't, he didn't leave them mvp rogers he left them as as basically one of the worst years of his career um i I think there's a couple of things that that jordan love's going to do differently than rogers that's going to help them rogers they consistently were the slow one of the slowest paced teams in the league just by playing faster you know just by lafleur telling jordan love to just go out there and do this and don't run every clock down to one second because you're Calling audibles at the line of scrimmage and and uh, playing cadence stuff, just that alone is going to boost the the volume of their offense. Um, you know, and I think that there's some stuff that that Lafleur is going to be able to do with Jordan Love that just by the fact that he's not Aaron Rodgers is going to kind of help. You know that he, that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to count out to his court to his uh, coaches, uh, you know, designs right when he wants to do something different. Where I think Jordan Love is going to sort of execute some more stuff. So I think it's a huge drop off. Right. Again, is he going to be a hall of famer? Uh, probably not. Right. I'd bet against that. But I, I do think like he's, he's not the same quality quarterback, but we might not, you know, we could look at all the stats from this team next year and be like, well oh, there really wasn't a letdown because I think just by volume and, and, you know, just by vo- the volume going up and the yards per attempt, you know, through some scheme stuff saying very similar, you could see a boost in the production
0: you're also getting an extra year, you know, for Christian Watson, who had a partial Offseason season slash season he, you know i think a lot of people forget he missed the beginning part romeo dobbs you know didn't really get on track day three guy you know a lot of times takes more seasoning they added Jaden reed they got two rookie tight ends hopefully they can mishmash together provide something that they didn't get from the position still got two strong running backs, so you could argue that the situation for the quarterback is actually better this year intriguing situation and a gettable and frankly well crowded uh division there for the packers Want to mention on the premium side of Dynasty Think Tank this week, and go over to patreoncom tank And what we're doing this summer is a full series deep. If you remember Jordan and Chad from years ago, we cut our teeth. Well, we also talk college, but we talked about Dynasty running backs and the weekly machinations for hours on end. Well, we're back doing that as a series. You're getting uh four teams by division every single week this summer, getting you ready for setting the, t- the table for August, September. Get this position right and optimized on your Dynasty depth chart. It's going to do a world of good for your ROI and results and making your way through uh, all the injuries, um, all all the lineup spots you need to fill with maybe not auto start players that you know today. So we're going through those depth charts, working our way now through the NFC, AFC, are in the books? You get all that by signing up, supporting us at Patreon where we wanted to keep recording. Uh, football guys platform was not going to be an option for us past the NFL draft. We started our own dynasty think tank. Thank you so much for supporting us and you get office hours. It's basically, like an audible uh jordan and i will, will record a solo show to provide some supplemental value you also here after uh, hours which is additional stories that we're going to end up sharing football football adjacent life adjacent uh here for us so all those things you're going to get as bonus patron content only that beyond this show if you enjoy this show you want more dynasty you want more stories you want more jordan and chad you're going to get that at patreon.com slash dynasty think tank thanks so much for listening this week Follow us on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL at MacMara Dynasty. Plus, we have our own dynasty content platforms, analytics of dynasty.com, And as always, with your dynasty teams, unlock your ceiling and seek elite results.